Maybe. Yes, sir! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf podcast. I'm your host, JT, coming to you from the home of the You're Still Out Golf podcast, our Lincoln Park Golf Club studio. As luck would have it today, I actually have one of Lincoln Park's own as my co-host, talking a little Lincoln Park, but mostly to preview the PGA Championship on tap for this week at Oak Hill Golf Club. For those that don't know, the PGA Championship is a event that started with PGA professionals, such as our guest, Dane Williams, starting that championship and it evolved to what it is today. We will get there while we're at our home, away from home. We know that Chalk Sports is the home for major championship golf. Want to remind everyone that first round Thursdays are back. Yes, this Thursday, May 18th at Chalk, 3 to 6 p.m. We will have our first round Thursdays happy hour. Simple process on how it works. The YSO crew hosts that watch party. We want you to get involved. We want you to be there. We also want you to pick who you think the first round leader will be after the first 18 holes at Oak Hill. Simple three-step process, folks. You pick that golfer. You name that golfer in the comments of our first round Thursday's tweet. Attend the first round watch party. And if your golfer leads after round one, you will win a $100 gift card to Chalk. A little bit of legalese here. All ties will be resolved. Limit one winner per major. Again, unless we're feeling extra generous, I always add that part. So, without further delay, let's get to our PGA Championship preview. Dane, could, could you use $100 to Chalk? Could that go a long way for you? Yeah, it would help out quite a bit. At least be a good start. Right? It'd be a great start. It'd be yeah. a great start. It gives you from three to six, and then yeah, maybe great after start six, for a good Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great. That's a great yeah, way you can to use get it in, for the next major. Get I into mean. the weekend. So Dane Williams, the head professional here at Lincoln Park Golf Club, we're going to kind of get into a little bit of you know what that means. I think a lot of golfers you know use the word head pro or the pro or the golf pro around a little bit, and they don't really know what that means. But before we get there. I'd love the listeners to hear a little bit about your background in, in golf and otherwise, you know, kind of uh, what, what ultimately got you here to Lincoln Park? I played in high school, obviously, like a lot of people do. Wasn't a, uh, wasn't a phenomenal player or anything. Wasn't really that good at all, Jonathan, if we're going to be completely honest <laughs> with each other. Hey, what, that won't hurt your street cred with me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Just love the game, man. Uh, and then I grew up at Early Wine. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in Newcastle, you know, just south of Early Wine. When, when I was playing high school golf, we played all out out at Early Wine. There was a couple pros there that went through the university program at UCO. Okay. Right, so the PGA Golf Management Program. And they kind of told me about it. One of them actually drove me up there to meet. At the time, it was Bob Phelps, who's the director of rules and competitions for the OGA, was running the program. Gotcha. Lindsay was working there, too. Aaron, the director here's wife. Okay. Um. Met both of them and and started the program about a year after that. And so, and, how was the transition from the the PGA program, which again is an accredited program at many universities around the country, including UCO in Edmond? 
what was the transition like from completing that program to becoming a staff member here at Lincoln? Well, so I took what would be a non-conventional route, right? Well, most we love time, non-conventional. On most the, of the on time, the you uh, most of the time, you know, guys will come out of school, get get their first assistance job, and then do that for quite a while, and then you know, hopefully, make their way to to my position, which I guess we'll expand on a little bit. Sure. But in school, we do these things called internships, right? And I mean, I'm sure anybody that's been through any program oh, yeah. has done an internship. So, my first internship was back at Irvine. And then after that, I went to the Oklahoma Golf Association, kind of fell in love with tournaments for a while. Um, worked there for basically three years through school. And then the first couple out after that, Aaron got the director job here, obviously, the little shakeup in the city golf courses when mm-hmm. the two, you know, when Alsie and Steve left. Right. Obviously, Aaron and Brad moved up and, and I applied and somehow I got it. I mean, the, the somehow clearly is from uh, you, you love the game and you do things the right way. So it's clear why you're a natural choice to be Aaron Christopete's uh, replacement as head professional. Aaron, yes, moving into that director of golf slot that Steve Carson had held for 35 years uh, before Steve. Uh, UC Ferguson, an absolute legend in Oklahoma City, held it for 35 or 40 years before that. Art Jackson back in 1922, the founder really of Lincoln Park Golf Club holds it for, you know, 40 years. Aaron loves to joke that, you know, he could be in this job for 30 years and the average tenure would go down. But went down with Steve after I think 32 or something like that. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. So that kind of leads me into uh, my next question about you know, what is it like? And I know that's kind of a subjective question and how do I answer that? But what is it like to be part of the history of such a vulnerable golf establishment like Lincoln Park? What, what is your feeling on that? Have you given it any right. thought? Well, obviously I'm biased, but uh, I think this is the greatest public golf course, at least in the city. There's so many great golf courses in the city, though. I mean, that's not, that's not knocking anybody. That's probably just because I have this job, I think, that way, right? Sure. But it's just phenomenal to see all the players that come through. And, I mean, the same thing as my time at the OGA. You know, it's crazy to see all the kids that I started with, you know, couple of them are on tour now. I mean, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Who know. are those guys? Uh, McAllister's a couple years younger than okay, me. So Logan, Logan McAllister's yeah. a couple years younger Logie than me. Logan so Mack, my him. guy. Yeah, so I played a lot of golf, actually, with him as a junior just messing around at Early Wine. Obviously got beat up pretty bad by him <laughs> all those times. Let me think. You got Logan. You got uh, new Logan pretty well. And then when I came on, Logan was kind of finishing up his time at the OGA, OJGT. Watched him play pretty well. Obviously watched him play a couple tournaments at OU. Um, Quaid's a couple years older than me, so I got I was there for when Quaid won the state am. I was working at the OGA. That was pretty pretty wild. Pretty good fields back then. I mean, still yeah. great fields, well, but I mean, it's kind of crazy mean, to think of that 13, 14, 15, 16 class yeah. coming out of coming out of Oklahoma. Well, that what would, they're doing now? Like the Eckroats of the world. Would yeah. Been in that same well, crew? so I watched Eckroat win the Red River. Guys like that, you know, all the guys around that age. It's kind of wild to see like. Obviously, they're not that much older than me, so or that much younger than me. So watching them uh, kind of grow up and progress, it's just it's wild, man. Just thinking those are just like Logan was just a kid that played at Early Wine, and yes, well, know. and I will say that is why public golf is so important to the game. And you are right; we are blessed with an amazing public golf system. Early Wine Park, Lake Hefner, Trosper Park. 
even the nine holer at James Stewart is a blast and a great way for beginners to get out there. And heck, I love going out there as a guy who's anything but a beginner and been playing for 30 years. And Lincoln Park certainly is the creme de la creme. Somebody has to be the best, right? So there can't, that's just how things go. Too so biased to answer that uh, question, John. When in a public golf system, like we have, which is really good. And all of those courses right. and all of those uh, staff teams are, are so, so good to, to be the best is impressive. So, so great work here at Lincoln Park. You know, one other thing that I want to get to, I know that during your time at the OGA, since you were so tournament driven in terms of what you were doing over there, I know you're a huge rules guy and not many people know that about you. I didn't know that about you until Aaron, when we were setting up this podcast, I said, Hey, yeah, he like knows more about the rules of golf than probably 99.9% of the world. So I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit because I didn't put this on our outline, but give me, if you can think of one off the top of your head, like kind of a weird rule scenario where you had to come in and maybe you knew the answer, player didn't. Give me, or just a rule story in general. I'm, I'm curious because there's got to be some fascinating stuff because the rules are golf. As simple as they were laid out to be, they aren't simple at all. Well, I guess the the thing that would make me proficient in the rules is uh, I would like to open this with I'm just a good test taker. You know, I was just blessed at being good <laughs> at taking tests. So I took the PGA, USGA rules seminars, and so I've taken that test twice. First time I thought I killed it. I mean, I came out of there. I'm not sure. I missed one. There's one I was maybe a little shaky on, thinking, sure. you know, thinking walking out of there. Made 73 oh out of 100. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you thought you aced it and I you thought, had a 73. Yeah, you know, I missed wow. I missed four or five. You know, let's That's just, amazing. Let's just go to the next. It is that yeah. hard. Okay. And second time I made 90. There's advanced and then there's expert. I made expert on the number. Let's clarify that still means I missed 10. So Right, right. You know. Yeah, that's how hard uh, it is for sure. You know, there's a lot of people that are a lot better at them than me. A lot of people, hope, thankfully, on the other end of the radios at the OGA events that I can go. Right. Hey, uh, we got bees in the bunker on seven. Not really sure if they're going to sting me. I'm not going to get close enough. All right. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good segue to like bees in the bunker would not have been something I thought the rules guy would be brought in on. So what, so tell us, give us the bees in the bunker story. Thankfully that one wasn't actually me. It's just one that came to mind. That was a, we were out here actually. I'm trying to think of what hole it was on. It was one of the fairway bunkers out here on the West. It was for the state am qualifier and get a call over the radio that we got some bees in the bunker on four. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what hole, but our intern at the time calls it over. And then Robert O. Smith, who's absolute rules legend, you know, head rules official on the LPGA Tour for 30 years, whatever. He comes over and says, those are honeybees. They're not going to hurt anybody. Tell them to play on. <laughs> <laughs> the mom over in the in the trees that has like, uh, my kid's got an EpiPen. You're going to make him get in there with the bees. I could just hear it all happening now. So oh, bee, yeah. bees well, in the bunker, that's a good well, one. Well, so my favorite of the dangerous animal situations, right? I mean, that's where... You'd run into, like, snakes, you know, sure. alligators, all that fun stuff they have in Florida. There's a line in the book that says venomous snakes. So yeah. you get relief from dangerous animal situations such as alligator, fire ants, venomous snakes. Right. So what that implies is that you don't get relief from a non-venomous snake, which I think is just absolutely hilarious. I will hilarious. let everybody on the podcast know that if they call me over and there's a snake next to their ball, we are not checking <laughs> If it is venomous or not, I I will be on the committee. We will make the decision. (laughs) You are getting relief. I'm a golf rules expert. I'm not a 
reptilian yeah. expert. Or We're not a, getting close uh, enough to see hep- the orientation of its eyes. A, hepater- a hepatomologist or what it's called at the zoo. I love, I love that. So in a story that will be talked about later, we just had a little Bryson uh, jokey joke before we started recording. And Bryson would definitely request relief from any sort of moving being. So we know that venomous or not venomous, Bryson would, would definitely call foul. Yeah, I had one at um, the Oklahoma Open. A guy calls me over and he is in the penalty area. Right of 18, if you can picture the hole on Oak Tree East. Right? Oak Tree easy, East, yeah. Easy place it. to hit it. Yep. Penalty area on the right. It. Yep. I played from there, you know, probably every time I've played Oak Tree East. The guy calls me over and I walk down there. Great Robert O. Smith, you know, lets you know how to handle those situations when he's training you up. And you always walk up with him. How can I help you today? The guy points at his ball and it's surrounded by these little black ants, mm-hmm. right? And he goes, I get relief from that. And I said, I, I don't I don't think you do. No, no, sir. And he said, those are fire ants. And I said, those are not fire ants. You know, unfortunately, you don't get relief from those. Obviously, he's got a horrible lie. Right, you know, he's, yeah. just wanting, he's just wanting to get me. He's wanting to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, get his hands on it in the penalty he's area. He's wanting to use the rules to his advantage is what we call right. it as the golfer on that He side. didn't take it very well. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Yeah, he did not take that very well. He said, hey, you know, they're not fire ants. And I said, well, you know, fire ants are pretty big. They're red usually, you know. And you, I mean, you'll know a fire ant, the difference between, you know, an ant and a fire ant if you see a fire ant. And he goes, well, I'm not an ant expert. And I said, well, I'm not either, but I know what a fire ant looks like. And I said, so unfortunately, I can't give you relief. So he calls for another opinion. Other official comes over there. Yeah, those aren't fire ants. Guy plays on, hits a bad shot. It's, of course, my fault at that point. Oh, so. yeah. The fire fire ant. So Bryson wasn't the first Something one. Something I don't miss. I'll fire, tell you that right fire now. Fire ant right in. Well... Let's go positive here. Let's talk some Lincoln Park Club Championship. I mean, uh, I know it's only May, but it's coming up quicker than we think. I believe July 8th was the date that I saw. 8th and 9th, so it's a two-day event. Uh, Generally an 18-hole day on the East Course, followed by an 18-hole day on the West Course. But what can folks kind of expect from that event, and where would you point them to get registered uh, if they wanted to tee it up? So as you kind of laid out there, you know, 36 holes, gross and net. You know, there's the open division, senior, super senior. And then ladies division, we just have to have enough participants in every in every flight to have that flight. Um, okay. I think Aaron's won at least four just to just to get the thing going in every division. Obviously, biggest one ever last year. Roughly how many last year participated? 90-something. 90-something. Wow, yeah. that is big. That's- Shooting for that hunt, shooting for that century mark. Yeah, right? yeah. matching up with the night, you know, hundred yeah. years of Lincoln Park. Hundred one years this year, right? Yeah, so we're trying to get hundred and one people to sign up. So July eighth and ninth, they can I, do it through the app. If they don't have the Oklahoma City Golf app, I recommend they download it. It's completely it, free. It crushed me that the dates came out, and then the, the dates move around a little bit, you know, kind yeah. of based on what else is going on. It crushed me that I'm going to be out of town and I can't. Uh, participate in my home club championship. If I can do it virtually, I got to tell you, Jonathan, I'm disappointed. I, I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit it. You know, it I just doesn't feel right to spare anyone the uh, the big league title that I would big league someone. I'm going to save where I will be instead, and then I think you would give me a little bit of grace. But we'll save that for another podcast. Now, this is a very abnormal thing. Maybe it'll become a normal thing here at Lincoln Park. Five-year commitment by the Compliance Solutions folks to bring a Corn Ferry Tour event to Jimmy Austin for the next five Junes. How that relates to Lincoln Park, the Monday qualifier for 
that event will happen on June 19th, and Lincoln Park is one of those sites. Putting you on the spot again a little bit here, but explain to folks just in general. Like, I, I bet there's a lot of people, golfers who play a lot of golf, listen to our podcast that don't even realize and know what a Monday qualifier is. I think us in the golf world, you know, the Monday Q, we kind of get it. But just a 30-second explanation of what that even means. Well, so the Monday qualifier would be kind of going to be ridiculously hard to qualify into anything professional golf. Obviously, we already talked about how strong Oklahoma is when it comes to when it comes to golf, you know, junior golf, amateur golf, and, you know, even got some guys making their ways up the pro ranks, which is pretty exciting. The Monday qualifier will just get you a certain amount will qualify to get into Thursday, right? So right. there's two qualifiers. There's one here. The other one, I believe, is the territory down in Duncan. You know, a certain amount of spots will make it out of both locations to go get a chance to tee it up at Jimmy against against the regular Corn Fairy guys. So that'll be pretty exciting. I'm imagining it's going to be a pretty low number out here. It will take a really low number to qualify. And it's amazing to me how many true golf fans like don't even know what the Corn Fairy Tour is. Or if they do, it's kind of like kind of like a minor league trash kind of thing. And it has a weird, funny name, the Corn Fairy Tour. That's weird. If... If you took away the 125 guys that were on the PGA Tour and you went out and the Corn Ferry Tour became the PGA Tour, you would be just as impressed with the golf that these guys play. I mean, they are like the top 0.01% of golfers in the world. It's not, it may be a minor league tour, but the golf is major league. Is that fair? I mean, I wouldn't even know that I would call it a minor league tour. I mean, that, those guys, it's a birdie fest out there. It's going to be a birdie fest out here. It's going to be a birdie fest at a hard golf course like Jimmy Austin. And week in, week out, the winner, like you said, is going to be competitive with anybody. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's well said, and they will tear it up. And that's a reason to get out here on a day that's just free to come out here and spectate. I don't even know if there'll be any ropes up. We can save the particulars for later, but... It's a great way to come watch some free golfs and some guys who are going to be making birdies after birdies after birdies. Again, Monday, June 19th will be the uh, the Monday queue, and we'll, we'll release info out on our Twitter feed, at YSOGolf, as we get closer to that. Before we get to PGA Championship talk, I, I, one place I would love for a Monday qualifier to go will never happen because it's a bit out of the way for everybody coming into Oklahoma City for the Corn Ferry Tour event. That would be... Boiling Springs Golf Club. Yes, Boiling Springs, trusted partner and sponsor of the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. Again, we only partner with sponsors we truly believe in, so we've been happy to promote Boiling Springs over the years for the good of the game. It is just that good. Dane, have you have you made it out to Boiling Springs yet? I have not yet. You have not made it yet. Tell me what you've heard a little bit, and then I think we need a, a commitment to get out to, to Northwest Oklahoma. Uh, well, I've heard nothing but great things about it, Jonathan, kind of like you just said. Everybody that's been out there has loved it. Obviously, hear it around the golf shop all the time about how great it is. How Recently redone, right, in the last four or five years? Uh, a ton of work done over the last, really, six or seven years since GM and Superintendent Jeff Wagner has been there. But, uh, yes, a, a, a very, very big-time renovation. <clears throat> like I said, heard nothing but great things. Looks awesome by the pictures. Um, and I, I promise, Jonathan, I'll get out there at some point in the next okay. In the next year, I'm I'll make it. That. I don't care if I have to show up at your house at 5.30, drive you out there, play 36 with you myself. We were going to make that happen. Before we get out to Boiling Springs ourselves, want to tell you about an awesome outreach initiative that Boiling Springs is conducting. Uh, you're hopefully listening to this 
Monday or Tuesday, May 15th or 16th. On Wednesday, May 17th, Boiling Springs is conducting the Golf Course Superintendents of America's First Green program. You've probably heard of the great work the First Tee does to introduce kids to the game, but you likely have not heard of the First Green. It's an innovative environmental and STEM education outreach program using golf courses as environmental learning labs. Boiling Springs, again, hosting a First Green Day on Wednesday, May 17th. And actually, I shouldn't say we won't be there. I will be there to support that program. If you'd like to learn more about the program, or heck, if you want to jump in the car and go with us, uh, check out thefirstgreen.org or check out the post about it at YSO Golf on Twitter. All right, Dano, let's talk PGA Championship. That's why we're here, right? I mean, I know that your mom, dad, you know, maybe some some relatives, they tuned in for the first 20 minutes to, to hear Dane talk about himself in Lincoln Park and myself. That's why I'm here. But I think the folks... They want to talk PGA. It's PGA week. It's major week. I would say the PGA is the major that gets the least respect. Let me start with the hot take. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is the PGA is PGA under uh, underrated? I think so. Even me as a golf pro, you know, I'm, I'm a, at best a casual golf fan, right? I mean, I watch, you know, let's say 12 events a year, and the four that I'm definitely going to tune in for are the majors. Obviously, it's it's a big deal to a lot of guys, like Spieth still chasing the Grand Slam, right? I mean, sure. the one that he's lacking, so... One of the greatest golfers we've seen in this generation is still lacking the one that everybody calls the easy one. So, Well, you mentioned Spieth. I'm curious, just uh, as we kind of level set here, give me, give me like two or three guys that you really love to ride for, regardless of the event. Like, who are you when you're, you're checking your PGA Tour leaderboard? Who are you scrolling to find? Give me, give me two or three guys. Well, one who won't be playing this coming week is obviously Tiger. The cat, I, you know, yep. Grow up in this generation, you love Tiger Woods, or at least I do. Spieth, you know, I always love to watch him play well. Um, the emotion cracks me up. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's, he's a talker. Shoffley, love that move. I'd love okay. to see him be more successful. It's just. Yeah, his pass at the ball is just beautiful to watch. It's yeah. so so effortless. It's just like, yeah, I'm just walking around casually. Um, also hard not know. to root for Scheffler, right? I mean, just seems like such a good dude. Well, and that is the thing. As we like to say on the pod, there are 20 top 10 golfers in the world. And of those 20 guys, there's, yeah, there's 15 of them that you, they're great to root for. They're great to do. They seem like great guys. They're uh, easy to root for. Now we know kind of who, who you're uh, <clears throat> going to be keeping your eye on. Let's talk a little bit about the PGA, uh, the history of the event, right? I th- Again, I don't think a lot of people realize PGA Championship, for one, was founded by the PGA of America. I think PGA of America and PGA Tour get confused for each other quite a bit. Yes, the PGA Championship is a PGA Tour-recognized event and counts towards all the things, the money, the points, blah, blah, blah. But it is a separate body, PGA of America, that is putting on the event and has done so, uh, I believe, since 1916. At least that's when the PGA of America was founded and has an illustrious history. It was held right across the street from us at Twin Hills in 1935. That's when it was still a match play event. So we're used to the 72-hold stroke play. Hasn't always been that way. We had a match play event where a winner was crowned via that format. The other big thing, and the reason I thought it was very apropos to have you on this particular podcast, is that unlike any other event, it has PGA professionals that have a, quote, real job back at their home club or home course. There are 20 spots in the PGA field uh, reserved for 
PGA professionals. So I want to know about this year's venue of the PGA Championship, specifically Oak Hill Golf Club. What can you what What do you know about Oak Hill? I know, we, you know neither one of us get up to Rochester, New York, very much. But what can you tell the, the folks about Oak Hill? Well, I know in my uh, my extensive research prior to this podcast, that, <laughs> um, you know it was recently redone, which will be exciting to see. You know, yeah. we all remember it, or at least I remember it from Duffner's win. Or, uh, you know, yep. shot the course record twenty thirteen. I think so. Been redesigned, obviously. Hosted six majors prior to this one. That's pretty. That's pretty wild. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a pretty big stint. It was that it's three U.S. Opens, three PGA so far, right? I think that's, yeah. that's what makes up to six. Okay. And then, uh, you know, Donald Ross designed, so you know it's going to be – I mean, you know it's going to be great. PGA is not going to pick a bad venue. So Donald Ross is a prolific designer, golden age designer, most famous for Pinehurst number two. I would say is probably his most famous design. I, don't know. I would say so, too. Yeah. Andrew Green is the architect you're alluding to that has gone in and done a renovation – Calling this one a restoration, right? Restoration. Oh gosh, don't whatever get me they started. call it. Restoration, renovation. I've heard them combined into like a restination. I've heard a reno station. How you. about this? They made it better. How, that is, that's generally what they're attempting Hopefully. to do. Hopefully. <laughs> well, knowing what I have read about Andrew Green, I feel confident that it is better than it was. Maybe not as good as it was when Donald Ross first designed it, but. Interesting, Andrew Green's name is attached to the state of Oklahoma now. He will be the golf course architect of record just up the road at Karsten Creek when they blow everything up on October 1st and start their renovation. So some some Oklahoma, always Oklahoma ties we can make here, Dane. If they can make that place harder, I want to see it because that would be tragic. From, from what... Uh, from what our man Mike Holder is telling folks, it's going to be the Navy SEAL training ground of college golf, and I thought it already was that. So it wasn't. It, I guess <laughs> what I, I mean. Every time I go out there, I, I limp away like a, a like a, a wounded animal. Karsten Creek again, going to get that big redo over the next eighteen months or so, and Andrew Green leading that. Yeah, but I again, in my extensive research, you know, via the the Wikipedia page for Oak Hill. Golf Club. I, I I actually learned a few things about about Oak Hill. It is in Rochester, New York, so upstate upstate New York. Now it was awarded the PGA Championship before the PGA moved to May, right? You don't think like upstate New York in mid May could be a little sketchy. I mean, th- there could be snow on the ground potentially. I mean, it could be it could be a little sketchy because when it was back in August, it made perfect sense to have it in upstate New York. So that's going to be something interesting to watch, but. 1901 is when the club was actually founded. It was only nine holes, and it was in a different spot than it is now. A lot of clubs do that, right? A lot of clubs do that. They kind of outgrow their place. Similar to Oklahoma City Golf and Country Club, this was sort of a land swap, right? So I think the university wanted the land that they were on, and so they did a land swap with the university in 21. I think that's what Wikipedia said. The big benefit there was that a lot more room. They went from nine holes to two 18-hole championship golf courses, again, designed by by Donald Ross. So uh, interesting. I always love that golden. That's why you like golden age courses, or I do so much, is that there's a longer history you know, than there is at a place like you know, PGA National or something, um, not to throw them under the bus, but yeah, for a comparison. It was kind of painful for them, I'm sure. So, there's a little bit about Oak Hill. It should play as a par 70 next week. I'm actually not sure if it's a composite routing where they take the east course and the west course and they kind of route it I together. Think it's all east, isn't it? Is it all east course? I think so. Uh, east course is the 22nd ranked 
course in America on golf's um, 100 greatest courses in America uh, as of 2019. So the pedigree is there for Oak Hill. Hasn't had a major championship since the 2013 PGA Championship that you mentioned, Jason Duffner, with his lone major win. So there's a little bit about the venue. I want to loop back to the PGA of America professionals, Dane. Braden Shattuck was the PGA of America championship champion for this year. Top 20 in that qualify for the PGA championship. My question to you as a head professional and as your words, not mine, self-admitted, not that great of a golfer. These guys are great golfers, right? How, in your mind, do they go about balancing a true full-time job? And I know there's stories from around the country and certainly back in the day where, yeah, you know, Ben Hogan was the head pro at Hershey Country Club, but he rarely showed up. You know? These guys truly show up to work every day. How do they do it? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, great it's, answer. It's, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal with what some of the, I mean, what, <clears throat> those 20 guys can do for sure. Even all the guys that made it to PGA Professional Championship. I mean, that's not an easy field to crack. It'd be exciting to see who wins the low PGA guy. You know, right. hopefully a couple of them make the cut, kind of fighting for their own championship going down the stretch. Yeah, I should have looked that up. Like, traditionally, if how many of those guys, if any, make the cut? Did anybody make the cut last year at, uh, at Southern Hills? Uh, but that will be that's a good you know I didn't yeah. think about that we could have put that in our uh, in our picks later on just the uh, the low PGA tour uh, the low PGA professional but that's a good that's a good call own little championship within the championship like you said it yeah. I don't know it's pretty cool to me that you know especially the guys that take playing so seriously and and I mean if I was a better player I'm sure I would too like you said to be able to do that and then to be able to have something to something to go for you know those twenty guys and the twenty guys you know they're not hurting the field you got ton of guys qualifying into the U.S. Open kind of in a similar fashion. Just uh, obviously it's only open to the PGA guys for this, but it'll be. I mean, I'm, I doubt any of them are going to embarrass themselves. They're probably going to kind of shock some people seeing some shots coming in. So. Yeah, they'll get around. They will get around. <clears throat> Another guy that will very, very easily get around any golf course, the only guy in the field. Okay, ready for this? The only guy in the field that theoretically – can still win the Grand Slam this year. That would be John Rahm, the Masters winner. Uh, there's always hope in the second major of the year that somebody will win all four and be the, the greatest story since Tiger's Tiger Slam, which is kind of a wraparound slam. What do you think about John Rahm's prospects this week? Obviously, him on any golf course, it's a pretty easy answer. Do you see anything in his game that either lends itself more to Oak Hill or maybe not as much to Oak Hill versus... Augusta and other venues. John Rahm said himself, he's hard to beat when he's playing well. So he's a good setup for any golf course in my mind, Jonathan. You know, he hits it long, hits it straight. Obviously, phenomenal putter, like all of them. I mean, it's. I think he's got a good chance as anybody if he can get past the, the pressure of going for that second one in a row, which I don't think really somehow doesn't affect some of these guys as much. Especially after they've won one, right? And certainly after they've won two and he kind of got that monkey off the back you know he wins the u.s open in 21 has a really great rest of that year kind of statistically one of the best seasons ever has by his standards which are way too lofty down year in 2022 which is hilarious because he you know had a really solid year in 2022 comes out wins the masters three times this year right he's already i think it's four i think he's won four times already he's already won the most money in regular season history. Saw that the other history. day, just past Shuffler already. 
already. Yeah, uh, which, you know, can be but, a little skewed, but I think it goes to show you, like the year Scotty had January to May last year, John Rahm is on that same kind of heater this year, and you're right. Doesn't matter what golf course it is. He shows up. He's one of the top one, two, three, two win the tournament. And I'd love to see him go back to back just so we can kind of see uh, that, that that train, or what's it called? Like the, getting running downhill, that train going downhill. John Rahm would be a, a force to be reckoned with if he can pick well, up the third one's going to be super exciting if he wins two in a row. Right. Yeah, all of a sudden the U.S. Open, which is already appointment viewing for golf sickos like us, becomes uh, a national, if not international, story. So uh, John Rahm, I always like to talk about the favorite and the chalk, if you will, going in. You mentioned earlier Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is playing some good golf this year. He's somebody that is an absolute fan favorite, whether you're just a regular old golf. I only watch golf four times a year. You like Jordan Spieth. You're a sicko like we are. You like Jordan Spieth for all the banter with his caddy, Michael Greller. Jordan Spieth is, if not the most prominent player on the PGA Tour from a marketability, likability standpoint. He's up there. I would argue that nobody besides Tiger, moves the needle more than Jordan Spieth, which is crazy for just like, you know, a kid that went to Jesuit at Dallas. Going for the career Grand Slam. He's won the Masters in 2015, the U.S. Open in 2015. I think the last person to win the first two majors of the year, speaking of. And then the Open Championship in 2017. So he's got three or four. Can Spieth get it done this week and be the five people who have won the career grand slam can jordan spieth get it done i ask you dano be pretty cool wouldn't it um man he's been knocking on the door for what seems like i mean he won once last year right he did um i feel like he got close this week this not this week this yeah yeah earlier last month maybe he's definitely been playing well even as good as these guys are i'm sure there's some demons and a little bit of nerves coming down you know he knows he knows what he's playing for right just like rory knows what he's playing for Every time they tease it up in the Masters now for the remainder of his career until he can get it done. I mean, it's some added pressure. I, I would like to see it, for sure. Well, it's coming back to me that, yes, there have only been five that have won the career Grand Slam. I would ask you to name them, but I'm not going to put you on the spot. Uh, I will do that for you. Bet I got two. Okay, give me two. Tiger and Jack. Tiger and Jack are absolutely on that list, and the most recent two to do it uh, the other three would be um, – you, you can take guesses if you'd like to, on the other three. It's not embarrassing me right in front of all these Okay, listeners. no problem, no problem. Uh, in sequential order, prior to Jack, Gary Player won the career Grand Slam. Ben Hogan won the career Grand Slam. He went over uh, in his – I believe he won the only three majors he played in back in 1953. I think the PGA and the Open Championship back then were scheduled on the same week. How about that? Like, you had to choose what you wanted to do. And so that that year, he won the Masters, the U.S. Open, and then chose to go to Carnoustie and play the, the Open Championship. Which one was bigger, I wonder? U.S. Open or the PGA? It had to be the U.S. Open, right? No, Open Championship. Oh, British Open. Yeah. So very interesting there. Ben Hogan, 53. And then Gene Sarazen, the first ever to win uh, what we now consider the Grand Slam, uh, modern-day Grand Slam being the Masters, PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the UK British Open presented by Her Majesty the Queen, who is now deceased, <laughs> His Majesty the King. Uh, there you have it. I think Spieth has a chance. I would love to see it. My next question for you in terms of storylines, which Rory McIlroy 
are we going to get, Dane? Are we going to get the guy who lit the golf world on fire, put the golf world on his shoulders, and played great golf, or the guy that we've seen over the last two months who has absolutely crumbled into a pile of mess? That's pretty harsh, Jonathan. No. Um, Look, I asked I, the tough questions here. I'm a big J journalist. I think it'll be uh, – I'd love to see him play well, obviously, just as a fan. You're talking about Spieth moving the needle. McElroy sure moves the needle, too. Yep. Um, crazy to think what he accomplished early in his career. You know, we call – shouldn't throw you under the bus with a wee, but, you know, everybody thinks he's been in a downstretch for, like, the last three, four, five years. And, oh, yeah. And he's still playing some great golf, still winning some great tournaments. So – I will say, to Rory's credit, 2022 was amazing. A, a fantastic year by anyone's standards, short of winning a major. I think that's probably where the collective we gets on Rory is like, when are you going to do that again? 2014, I think, was the last time that he's, he's bagged a major. He comes out last year. Uh, it was the PGA. Is that the one yes. they finished at dark? And yep. Yeah. Yep. PGA, I believe he uh, nipped Phil by a couple at Valhalla in 2014. Has not won one since agonizingly close at last year's British Open where Cam Smith comes out and fires that back 930 and takes it from him. He comes into this year, everybody's favorite to win the Masters. Total laying of an egg. I mean, he was the mother goose at the Masters because the biggest egg we've ever seen was laid by Rory. Skips the next elevated event, which he had already skipped an elevated event. That cost him three million bucks because you're not supposed to skip more than one in this new this newfangled PGA Tour system. And so we've gone from Rory's the favorite going to the Masters to Rory is complete garbage. And I'm with you in that I don't think that's fair, A. And B, I think he's going to play well. In fact, in the preseason preview pod, I picked Rory to win the, uh, excuse me, win the PGA Championship. I thought the pressure to win the Masters would be a little too much, but he would turn around and win the PGA. I'll talk about later on if I'm sticking with that pick but I like where your head's at on Rory he had a great year a couple down you know really I say a couple down weeks like six down weeks he played great he won the match play yeah didn't he or got to the didn't finals he? got to the finals the match play or the final four or something he played really match, well the match uh, play. He, I think he got to the final four because yeah, we all four. wanted Scheffler and Rory didn't we yeah, and they and both we, got bumped yeah, out they all got bumped by Cam Smith and uh and Sam Burns so right thanks for the saving me a mea culpa for later podcast there let's talk the next storyline, not as big of a storyline as it was at the Masters because it came and went without uh, incident. Live golfers in this week's PGA Championship field. Instead of going through the list, I want to hone in on one who hadn't qualified otherwise. Local tie, Taylor Gooch gets a special exemption in to the PGA Championship. A guy who's playing really, really well right now. At least all he can do is win. On the, on the live circuit. You know, we don't know what those wins really mean based on the quality of the fields, the venues, the pressure, things of that nature. But you can't deny back-to-back wins on the live circuit. We're actually recording this before the live event in Tulsa has concluded, so we don't know how he finishes there. But seemingly coming in on a heater. Talk about Taylor Gooch. Obviously, he was a little bit ahead of that Logie Mack, Quade Cummins, Austin Eckroat group. Uh, but talk a little bit about Taylor Gooch and, and specifically his chances this coming week. And is he, with these two wins, seemingly the favorite out of the live bunch? Favorite be hard, right? I mean, he, he's playing the best golf for sure. But you still got Cam Smith is, and Kepka, I'm assuming, are both in the field. They are. You know, Phil shocked us all at the Masters playing well, I'd say. Yep. 
It'd be cool to see him win for sure. You know, Midwest City kid. That's be awesome. That's pretty exciting. I mean, another one like we talked about grows up in public golf at in Midwest City. Obviously, not part of our Oklahoma City system, but guy from Conrad doing this. That's pretty amazing. Another one would be awesome to see play well. You know, the Oklahoma fans are going to show out for him this week. I'm sure at the live. Like you said, you know, it's hard to know exactly what it means. What what we do know it means is he's still playing against major champions and still playing against some pretty strong fields, smaller, but still strong. So I'd say whatever he's doing to win, somebody had to win that week, and he happened to be the best one those those three in a row or whatever it is. Well, and that's the thing is you can't show up to a major playing bad golf and expect to win. The best thing you can do is to be playing good golf, and if you're beating the likes of – Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, uh, Carlos Ortiz, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Answer. I mean, that you know, at least ten or twelve guys that are playing on the live circuit are legitimate professionals, top of the top of the top. And if Taylor Gooch is taking down those guys, uh, he certainly is playing good golf. And, so and many I, majors in those fields alone, you know, pretty insane. As much of a story on who is going to be in the field of the PGA Championship, who's not going to be at the PGA Championship, notable in its own regard. First and foremost, the cat going under season-ending surgery. I don't even know what season-ending means for him anymore because he doesn't really play a season, but um, he ain't playing golf for a while, y'all. And then less famous, but certainly we will miss him, uh, Will Zalatoris, also season-ending surgery. So second, I mean, that's scary for somebody his age, isn't it? It is scary. It is scary. Let's uh, let's let's focus on the cat. I know that you said earlier, Tiger's your guy in terms of uh, rooting interest. What is your take in general on Tiger, and then specifically, uh, what a bummer it is not to see him this week at Oak Hill. Definitely a bummer. Um, you know, Nicholas said the thing where him and Tiger were talking, and he didn't think he'd be doing the surgery if he wasn't trying to play more. So, a little bit of an exciting thing, but. Man, how many, how many more of these can he do? This is not going to be popular. Looking across the table at somebody who's the biggest Tiger fan as you are, I am also a huge Tiger fan. I, I think it's, I think it's time to shut it down. I mean, he should have shut it down after the 2019 Masters. I, I've told people, how's this? And we can kind of go off script here and have a little bit of a back and forth, like fun, you know, bar stool kind of conversation. My hot take is winning the 2019 Masters is the worst thing that could have ever happened for Tiger Woods, the golfer, and Tiger Woods, the person. Definitely reignited him, didn't it? I mean, reignited the drive, but not, I mean, the body's just not there anymore. Um, I mean, don't you think it, not only, it reignited the drive, for sure. Yeah. But don't you think it kind of reignited the, hey, dude, I'm immortal. I, I can do anything, and where does he find himself, what, eight months later at the bottom of a canyon in L.A.? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, that wreck doesn't happen. Who knows where he's at right now? Um, I think the wreck only happens because of his. Because he feels I can invincible do whatever again. I want to do, and yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a hot, you know, sports radio kind of yeah. take. Not no offense to all my sports radio friends, Eddie, we love you, but I truly think it was the greatest thing for golf fans and golf fans certainly of you and I's vintage that saw him dominate like nobody else has ever dominated. I mean, I was shedding tears for crying out loud on that Sunday morning back in 2019 at Augusta. However, I think for Tiger the person and Tiger the golfer it was uh, probably the worst thing that could have happened to him. Real quick to circle back to that Masters, doesn't everybody act like that putt was just a gimme? And there was still there was still quite a bit left on that putt, that final putt that he had to make. There was. It wasn't a very good par putt for Tiger. It wasn't. Was he, had, he did have two putts to win, and he yeah. certainly took all of the two putts to win that. 
Um, I don't remember if he tried to make it and yeah. it kind of got a little, tried to make got it, a little got away, away from, from him. Yeah. Uh, which is easy to do. Last hole of a major when you got all that riding in terms of the comeback and he knows it's going to be special and he's got Charlie way at the top of the hill. It's probably easy to get a little extra juice in the hands there on that uh, birdie on that par putt. It wasn't exactly a gimme and he tra- he certainly treated it the like chip one. wasn't easy either to get no. the chip to. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember what he had for par exactly. Probably, you know, 20 feet or less. Yeah. That chip that he hit to 20 feet was pretty impressive. I mean, it was not the only whole- do have hit that slap cut out of the right trees to, well, I mean, not technically in the right trees, but had to deal with all the trees on the right to get it up there, and then, well, then before that, you know, he wins the Tour Championship in 2018, which is absolutely amazing to, you know, really his first kind of year that he plays his full Tiger season of, you know, what, 13, 20 events, somewhere in there. Yeah, and I think to tie a bow on that, and I'm not going to leave us on a downer because we're going to get back to the the, the happy-go-lucky stuff here with some, some picks for the PGA Championship. I just don't see things ending well. For Tiger, I don't know what that means, but I just think he's got too much just, uh, psychological damage. He's got too much emotional damage. He's got too much physical damage for sure. That's documented. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not. I hate to do too much prophesying on a guy like the cat, but I just doesn't seem like he's in a great place and never really has been mentally. If we're gonna take a, if we're gonna take exact opposite takes, I would like to take the other end of that and saying. I don't know how it's going to end either. And, you know, it's not definitely not exciting watching as a Tiger fan. As far as the mental thing goes, I mean, that guy has come back from some pretty amazing mental stuff. I'm not sure the mental thing is going to be his issue. I think it's going to be, can I mean, after this surgery, can the guy walk? Right. Right? I mean, we're already talking about, you know, like he said and like we saw on plenty of those shots. I mean, I, I went out and watched him at the PGA at Southern. I'm sure you did too. Oh, yeah. You can tell the swing's there. Oh yeah, the game. The, the game the swing is there. will never not be there. Yeah, it's for getting sure. around. No, no, the no, place. no, no. I, and I, I, and I think I'm talking. Yeah, from I know. The perspective of like macro, right? There's the golf, and there's like, can he walk around and and play the golf? But I'm talking even more macro. Like, I just don't. Whether it's again, I don't want to go down a dark road here, but I just think that he, to me, I would not be surprised if you know we look back on the history of Tiger Woods and it ended in some sort of tragic way outside of the golf stuff and on the on the flip side and i've talked about this in the pod before and we'll save this uh, i'll promise you another podcast appearance give the man a cart like i will make i will make one exemption for life for eons one guy that not only deserves a cart but it would behoove the pga tour and all his fellow players to say absolutely give the man a cart is tiger woods the problem is the man has too much pride he'll never take a cart in real PGA Tour competition. I don't think he ever will either. Which, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think if his body gets healthy, he could shock us again. Obviously, you, how many more times can he do it? I, I mean, you would sure think that the nine lives of the cat are, are over. But I feel I like mean, he's about 12 in right now. Yeah. He's got the average lives of a cat is nine. Some get six, some get 12, and he's he's much on the higher side. Than he's the pushing lower. the average yeah, up. for sure. All right, well, let's get to who we think will play well or perhaps not play well. At the PGA Championship, you know, a lot of our listeners are daily fantasy sports gamers with our friends over at the Dirty Birdies podcast. And so you're filling out those lineups. This is a great way to hear from Dane and I, who we think might play well. Going to start with a special category, low live guy. So who from the live circuit is going to play the best and score the lowest this week at Oak Hill? Ooh, be cool to see Smith play well again, wouldn't it? 
See, this is my great. problem, Jonathan, is I don't make bets based on performance, right? It's just all <laughs> strictly like what would be awesome. What would be awesome to me is heart, playing one. Heart, not head, Oh, huh? yeah. No, no head goes into these bets at all. <laughs> um, so if you're making bets, it should not be from this side of the table. I loved Cam Smith before the switch to live. Not that I don't love him now. I just don't watch, you know, much golf, first of all. So sure. I watch a lot of it, mainly passing through in the golf shop, seeing it. But we don't have the CW on in here, so unfortunately – it's tough to find the CW. It's uh, it's down it's down the uh, the channel lineup a bit. Uh, Cam Smith for low live guy from your side of the table. I am going to go with Brooks Kepka. I mean, I think the guy is back in major championship form. He's back in major championship mental space. Uh, he's back in major championship physical ability. And so I think he'll take what he did at the Masters and and show and up again. Build on it. Build on it. So give me give me give me Brooks for my low live guy. How about a dark horse? Who who's kind of if not coming out of nowhere, somebody not a lot of people are talking about, you know, down the odds uh, list a bit. Who do you think is going to jump up and surprise people this week at the PGA? Dark horse is a tough one, right? Well, I mean, once again, all head or all heart, no head in here. Okay. So what would be cool? Wouldn't a Duffner resurgence be pretty cool? I mean, that would he's be in cool. the field. He's in the That'd field be- as a past champ. Hadn't uh, done anything in a few years, it feels like. You heard it here first, folks. Jason Duffner resurgence. Uh, Dano likes the Duff Daddy to play well at his uh, only major championship winning venue at Oak Hill. I am going to go with a local favorite, Ricky Fowler. Okay. I think while maybe he doesn't fit my he's off the radar because Ricky, even if he's playing poorly, always Yeah, I mean, seems he just climbed back into the top 50 in the world, but go ahead and pick him as a dark horse. That's not a dark horse. How low does a dark horse have to be? I don't know. I thought we were talking about somebody that just... Like you know, like as a Keegan Bradley yeah. all of a sudden winning yeah. a major championship? Yeah. Okay, well, Shock you know. Shock in the world. I'll, I'll give you a second one outside of Ricky Fowler. I guess he has never won a major, so that's probably a pretty good pick. But, you know, I just like the pick, so I'm probably just hating on it. That's okay. I can give you a second one. How about Will Gordon playing some great golf? First season on the PGA Tour. He's been banging around the top 10. He's been knocking on the door a couple times of bagging a trophy. Does that does that qualify as a dark horse, Will Gordon? Well, you see what I've just done for you, Jonathan. If Will Gordon plays well or wins, yes. You all I mean, you okay. know, the Fowler pick just made sense. So well, you know, now if Will Gordon or Ricky Fowler plays well, I look like a genius. You just gave me two picks, so thank yeah, you very you're much welcome. for that. Yeah, it's your pod, so. All right. How about our next category here? And this is one I didn't quite prepare you for, but we love to do this on the pod. And it is the category of who will not win. And who will not win can't be like a PGA of America professional. You can't pick somebody who's obviously not going to win. You got to pick somebody who legitimately could win and it maybe is even in the favorites to win, but you're going to be bold and say this player will not win the PGA championship. Let's just pick one of the favorites just to kind of, you know, make you look like a genius, like with the Will Gordon pick. So, (laughs) I mean, Rom's on such a heater. How long can it last? Jonathan? How long can it last? Probably through this week now that I've said this, but um, let's go ahead and go with Rom, I guess. Well, I mean, this you're talking about being on a heater and how long can it last. I know that my guys, the founder, Keith Needham, my guy Scotty G21, never let me forget my most famous who will not win pick 
Scotty Scheffler will not win the Masters. The world number one. world number one will not win the Masters. Back in 2022, I thought Scotty's heater was going to be over, and he proved me wrong. So hopefully that's not the case for you and John Rahm. Hopefully John Rahm wins. I'm not trying to put evil energy on anybody like you're making me pick. All right? You just said, I got to pick somebody that's wild that's not going to win. Who's one of the obvious to win? Hmm, Rahm or Scheffler. So just go Rahm. You're going Rom. I am going to go with John Rom as well for my will not win the PGA Championship. So we are on the same page that we don't even want to be on the page. I already said it'd be awesome if he would go out and do this. I do think that this will be the week that, you know, he'll probably finish top five or something, but he will not win this week at Oak Hill, which begs the question, my friend. We're closing out the pod on who will win the PGA Championship. I'll let you go first. All right, just because cool stuff is fun to watch, right? Let's uh, Hopefully Spieth wins and ties off that career grand slam. That'd be pretty awesome. Would be awesome. I do think he has the bona fides mentally to handle that pressure of winning. If he gets in contention, that's the big deal with him. He's got three times in majors. Get into contention to even have the pressure of winning that fourth major. Probably miss the cut like everybody that pick in the Masters pools and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's always fun when your winner doesn't make it to the weekend. Speaking of not making it to the weekend in a major, most recently at the Masters, Rory McIlroy went home early and then went home uh, crying, taking his ball and clubs, did not show up for the uh, Hilton Head event. Guy's tired. Week. Give him a break, Jonathan. I know he's tired. He's very tired. As everyone knows who listens to our previews, have been adamant about sticking with picks that you make in the preseason preview unless there's just a injury uh, or a, a car accident, perhaps, that throws you off of that. And so I am going to stick with Rory McIlroy winning the PGA Championship. I think it would be awesome to see him stick it to everybody who's now down on him, including yours truly. And so I'm gonna, from an integrity standpoint, I'm sticking with Rory because I do think he will play well and uh, hoist the Wanamaker Trophy, one of the greatest trophy names in sports. Uh, from the uh, the old department store magnate himself, Bill Wanamaker. Don't know if that's his first name, but it sounded good. It no, it sounded great. Dane, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you. Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate you partnering with the podcast, making Lincoln Park the You're Still Out podcast studio. So thank you for that. And then thanks for coming on today. Any, any parting thoughts, anything you just got to get in there, cutting room floor type of stuff? Well, I think the most important thing is that if anybody has ever paid attention to any bet that I've made, you should go completely against anything that I've said today. <laughs> so because, bet bet Rom yeah. to miss the cut, bet no, Ricky to win, bet <laughs> No, like Rom Rom is likely gonna win now that I've said that. So it's gonna make you look bad. Um Spieth might not make the cut now. Uh, it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough on anybody that follows that follows my picks. I'm just I'm warning them. All right, so go back and listen to the last five to seven minutes. Write down every pick that Dane made, and then bet the opposite, and you'll be thanking us come come next weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, but a lot of fun. We are. I mean, if this isn't golf season, I don't know what is. Uh, good weather has come to Oklahoma City and stayed. Seemingly, it's about to get hot. Doesn't matter. It's time to get outside and enjoy the walk. Thank <laughs> you.